You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast for the second straight week. I am your host, Brendan Chagru. Ryan Dingle gave me the keys again. He said, look, Brendan, you're doing such a great job. I'm just going to leave, go away for a little bit, and you can handle this thing just the rest of the way. That's not true. I can't do that. But Ryan, unfortunately, can't be here tonight. But that's okay because we still got a stellar group. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can get me at Brendan Chagru. You can check out my work at thebearswire.com. We've done a ton of draft coverage because we are recapping the NFL draft. It's finally over, and we've got some great people to go over it with. So I'll bring in our guy, Jack Wright. Make sure you follow him at Bear Down Jack. We also have Patrick Sheldon. So the three of us once again. For the second straight week, boys, how was your draft weekend? How did I want to ask that first? How did you celebrate? I guess watching the draft. What did you do? Did you, you know, were you kind of in your football bunkers or doing it something else? What were your, uh, what were your draft plans like? I was TV sometimes uh, on the Irish Bears show, like you, for a little bit. Um, if I went for a walk, it's all about the Sirius XM. It's a little odd how the timing is different, though, depending on the medium that you're listening to. And so, like, the Bears will have picked sometimes, and I'm getting text messages, but then I'm listening, and the, the pick isn't in yet. So that confused me a little bit. So I was searching for the source that was the most up to speed, and I finally found it towards the end. Yeah, that was tough. I I don't on the first night of the draft, I try to stay off Twitter because I like to be surprised at least before the Bears pick. The second and third day though, I'm I'm always on Twitter, I'm finding stuff out and they were so behind with those picks. Right. It's probably because all the fans and athletes go up want to do like a 90 second monologue and they think it's open mic night. We saw that again this year, so that played into the problem. But how about you, Sheldon? Uh, you know, we were talking about it before, before we came on about the kids. So I, I watched it like I do a lot of sports events, however I can. Um, I, Friday night, I got to watch the pick on TV cause I think the kids were largely in bed. And then Saturday was a mix of following on Twitter, uh, trying to catch it on the direct TV app. So, uh, it was a little bit of a hodgepodge this weekend. <laughs> do they just do like a sign up sheet for the people that get to announce the picks? Like, could I just next year, can I just sign up somewhere on a list because that's what it looks like <laughs> every jamoke from everywhere hey i, I want to do it okay fine go ahead we gotta ask uh terrence terrence young our uh our friend because he was he shares the clip a lot and it's really cool uh that he was able to announce one of the bears picks back in 2019 cool. unfortunately uh it was it was riley ridley that didn't go over well no. but it's a it's a really cool thing there um so 
well, you know, we'll uh, we'll have to get that in. We'll have to figure out uh, what's going on there. Um, I do want to say, like, and we have a very special guest that we're going to get to in just a second um, to recap the draft. Uh, we have Jacob Infante coming. But after the draft yesterday, I was tired. I went into you, you know, went to my wife and said, hey, w- let's go out. Let's go out somewhere. I, I need a drink. I need some dinner. And we went to the bar and we saw our neighbor there. And he's asking me about the draft. And I'm like, well, didn't you watch it today? Like or yesterday? He's like, no. And he's a football fan. He's like, no, I watched the first round, but like, I'm not crazy like you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we are a special breed, aren't we? Yeah, I don't know as if the casual fan watches, you know, every round. And I'm not even sure if previous to doing this, I would necessarily watch like every single moment of it. So I, like I've always said, I think there's room for everybody to fan in the way that they want to fan. But I do think since we've started this up, and Brennan, you've been doing it way longer than I have, I enjoy this process. It's much more enjoyable to to know some of the players, learn a little bit about them, watch the quick analysis, watch some of their film. Uh, you know, we've got one of the absolute best on today to talk about it in a couple moments. Yeah, before we get to that, uh, we just got to give thanks to a few supporters of ours. First off, Jed Cal- Jeff Cadwallader. Guys, if you're looking for a home, Jeff is in transition right now with where he's going to be at. But we promise as soon as this happens, we're going to give you all the details about where he's at because he's one of the best when it comes to buying or selling a home. So we wanted to thank Jeff Cadwallader for all of his support. Uh, Honestly, Bears draft picks could probably use his help because they're going to be moving to Chicago. They need somebody reliable to work with. So thank you to Jeff and all he's done for the podcast. Oh my God. The pick is in bears fans. The pick is in. Here we go with the first selection in the 2023 barbershop draft. The bears select, sorry, the bear down Chicago podcast selects Will Plumley, barber Sheridan's barbershop, Wheaton, Illinois. Let's go. He's our guy. It's a good pick. We got the best pick. It's It's great value too. Great value at that spot. Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 68 years with six barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. Okay, we've wasted enough time, and I'm very afraid that if we let him stay in the back room too long, he's going to fall asleep because he has done so much work over this draft process. He is the lead lead draft analyst for Windy City Gridiron. He is Jacob Infante. And Jacob, thank you so much for coming on, man. I know you must be just freaking exhausted, but we really appreciate it. How are you feeling, honestly? I'm wiped out, man. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Uh, tonight, I uh, or last night, I slept in till noon after the draft. I just sat in bed and I, I woke up sporadically and then I just crashed again. So I had to get a little bit of energy drinks to get me going in the morning. But yeah, no, it's a lot of work, a lot of fun. But man, it takes a lot out of you. So I'm, uh, I- I'm exhausted to put it to put it briefly. 
Well, again, we, we seriously do appreciate you coming on. Hopefully this is like a nice, easy, you oh, know, kind of palate cleanser. Yeah. After the, the nice part is like the work's done. So it's just yeah. sort of like, you know, looking back on what the bears have done, but before we get into everything, I just, I want you to complete the sentence and uh, just let me know what you think. Okay. Well, that draft blank time to go blank. <laughs> and he's gone right? there you go everyone. just like that <laughs> to choose your own adventure though <laughs> i i thought it was good i thought it was good uh yeah that draft was pretty good it was pretty good that, that's the way i'd put it uh yeah that's what i'd time uh, to go party time to go party yeah <laughs> there you go or something like that yeah <laughs> No, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so let's let you know. We'll just get into it. We'll kind of go pick by pick, uh, day by day, uh, starting all the way back on Thursday. As you can see, we have the the ticker, which I'm sure just is PTSD for some of you watching ESPN and NFL Network all weekend. But Darnell Wright, first pick of the first round, uh, pick number ten for the Bears. Was he the best choice? For the Bears at that time, for their were where they were selecting, or would you have gone with somebody different at that place? So, from my perspective, I personally had a higher grade as a tackle on Broderick Jones than I did on Darnell Wright. Uh, but at that point, it's it's a pretty small difference to the point where I'm really not going to complain too much. It's kind of just apples and oranges, really. If you want, Broderick Jones is more athletic, you know, can move a bit better, but Darnell Wright's more powerful. Uh, and just has better size in general. So at, at that point, it's really just a matter of what your preferences are at tackle. So I have no issue with the pick at all. I thought it was a good one, really, especially when you factor in the fact that Wright is a natural right tackle, and that's where he's going to be playing with Chicago. Uh, I think that's going to go a long way for him. So I was happy with the pick. Uh, I'll admit it took me a little bit of time to digest uh, moving out of that Jalen Carter selection. But the fact of the matter is, if you're willing to move down a spot for a team that very clearly wants Jalen Carter and they have next to no leverage in saying, hey, we want the, who, who do you want here? It's the answer is obvious. So uh, <clears throat> if the Bears are willing to move down from a team that they knew was going to select Jalen Carter, then that was probably uh, just a good smokescreen on their end, so, you know, because I, I was convinced that they had interest there and a lot of people were, uh, but obviously not enough to select him at nine, obviously not enough to want to stay put there. So you move down a pick for a guy that you were going to take at nine anyway, get an extra future fourth round pick. I mean, I'm not complaining. Obviously, I think that's uh, if that's the way that they wanted to do it, then they went about it the right way. And they utilized the the little bit of leverage they had uh, to get some additional draft capital. And I'm never going to complain about stockpiling on picks. So uh, I, I was happy with the move uh, in general. I've gotten a lot of heat for saying I wish the Bears just got a little bit more with the draft capital instead of a 2024 fourth round pick. Did you yeah. feel that same way or were you just like, hey, it was a free pick for a guy that you were going to pick anyway. You were OK with it. I mean, I was okay with it. I think you could have asked for a little bit more, uh, maybe push like an additional pick out of it. But realistically, that pick was probably going to be on day three also. Uh, but either way, I mean, it's a fourth rounder. It's solid value. Uh, mm -hmm. Even if the Eagles, you know, assuming they're going to be really good this year, it's probably going to be a late fourth. But 
uh, all the capital in the world, you know, just is generally pretty helpful. You've got the two first rounders next year. Now you've got two fourths in addition to your second, in addition to your third and that 2025 second, uh, that, that'll definitely help out. So I'm fine with it. Truthfully, I, uh, I, I didn't dissect that move too much. It's just a matter of, okay, you, you wanted to make sure Philly wanted to make sure they got their guy, got a little bit of juice out of it. So that's really what it came down to for me. And as far as Jalen Carter, I mean, they went to his pro day, they had him at Hallis Hall, they got permission from the McCaskies to draft him and they still didn't draft him. How's that settling with you? Uh, it makes me feel like, you know, that Ryan Poles, Eberflus, and just the whole organization, like, like they have more information than I do, or, you know, that any, any of us in this, you know, bears uh, analysis sphere kind of have, uh, they get to talk to Jalen Carter directly. They get to talk to his teammates. They get to talk to his coaches. They get to talk to whomever, uh, whoever has ties with Jalen Carter. So they've, I, I can assure you they've done their research and they didn't make an uninformed decision deciding to trade out of that pick and miss out on Jalen Carter. So from a pure on-field perspective, I mean, Carter was the second overall prospect on my board. So I'm not going to lie and say that I would love, you know, I wouldn't like to have that on the Bears defense. I mean, I'd love to, but when you consider all the stuff going on from a character perspective, uh, that adds a little bit of a wrinkle to it. And realistically, Ryan Poles, from a pure positional perspective, as we'll get to, there was better value at defensive tackle later on in the draft, but there's a much steeper, steeper drop at offensive tackle. So uh, I'm fine with getting the good starting tackle early on and then uh, doubling down on defensive tackle later on in the draft. So I, I'm, I'm cool with how it all played out. Uh, excited to see what Carter can do in Philly. I think that's the best landing spot for him, but uh, I can understand why Chicago didn't make that pick. Well, perfect segue. Speaking of D tackles, do you think Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens will be the next Tommy Harris and Take Johnson or Ego Ferguson and Will Sutton? You know, I, I hope it's certainly the former uh, because Will Sutton and Ego Ferguson, that's not a very high bar to clear. Uh, I, I think that Dexter and Pickens, I don't know if they're necessarily going to make a massive impact right out of the gate because you're, you're still looking at guys whose best football are ahead of them. Uh, just gifted athletes, both guys. But if you're looking in Dexter's case, he's a guy who's taller, he's got good length, uh, very good athlete, but he doesn't time his jumps <laughs> off the ball. Like I think his acceleration could be freakishly good, his first step quickness. It's just a matter of when he processes and when he gets out of his stance, uh, there's a little bit of a delay there. But the raw athleticism is most certainly there. I see Dexter as more of a one-tech uh, a guy you can put over the shoulder of the center and just have him work from there, really. Uh, and I think he's got good power, too. Leverage is going to be an issue with him. I think that being a taller defensive tackle, uh, he doesn't have a ton of like knee bend or flexibility. So that's something that I want to see him improve on a little bit once he gets to the next level. And Pickens, I did have a little bit of a lower grade on him. I have him as a, as a, like a, an early fourth-round pick. And, you know, you're taking him with the first pick in the third round. So I did think there was a little bit of a mismatch there, but I get where Chicago was coming from. You know, I really do. He's He's got a thick frame. He's got good natural power. I think he's naturally more powerful than uh, Dexter is. 
And he's also quick off the ball. He's also, you know, very explosive. He was a, uh, I want to say he was a short yardage running back in high school. So they used him, they gave him the ball and took advantage of that size and speed. Uh, Don't think we're going to see that in Chicago anytime soon, but I think he's the type of guy who can fit in as a three tech quite well. Uh, It's going to be a learning curve. I'd expect to see Justin Jones and Andrew Billings to start at D tackle for the bears, but I think slowly but surely they're going to bring Dexter in. And I think that the same is going to happen with Pickens. People would lose their refrigerator Perry minds if <laughs> that ever happens. Uh, you kind of alluded to this, but if you had to project it, which I know is difficult to do, everything's film and basically on paper. But who do you think would be, who do you think will have the better career, Dexter or Pickens? You know, I, I do think that's tough. And I'm, uh, I'm interested in seeing how both of them do because you, you know, both two very athletic defensive linemen, two uh, guys who are, are a bit raw admittedly, but guys who have, you know, all the tools and they're versatile too. I think you could tell me that you want Dexter as the three tech and Pickens as the one tech. And I wouldn't hate that. Uh, even if I would disagree with it, I think there are going to be some times where they kick Dexter out to the three sometimes where Pickens is over the center because uh, Pickens did play there a good amount at South Carolina and Dexter has some experience a little bit more outside too. So with that in mind, I do think Dexter has the higher ceiling. Uh, I generally, I see a guy, he's got better size and uh, what, when you compare like the pure, like the density of his frame, like Pickens is a bit more dense and I'd like to see a little bit more uh, in terms of Dexter bending at the knees and getting his weight underneath him but I think he's a bit more intelligent or at least aware uh, against the run right now. And I think that maybe a tad bit more athletic. So it's close. I I do have a higher grade on Dexter, but I do like both guys. I'm interested in seeing what the future has in store for both of them. Hey, Jacob, I know uh, Brendan wanted to spend some time having you break down his 12 mock drafts he's already done for next year, but I think we'll (laughs) probably spend that time a little bit more wisely and uh, maybe offline, Brendan, you can connect with Jacob and, and break those down. But uh, I want to get your thoughts on Tyreek Stevenson. You know, there were some picks this weekend where you kind of got an heir apparent feel, like maybe uh, Poles was drafting players who could replace people who are coming up for a contract soon. And, and one of those guys was Tyreek Stevenson. Do you think uh, he was drafted as a replacement for Jalen Johnson or maybe just a compliment and uh, they're going to re-sign Johnson? So for right now, I think they have Stevenson in mind as a compliment to Jalen Johnson. Uh, I think that when you have three really good young corners, if, you know, everyone develops properly, you've got Jalen Johnson, who's a good starter, Kyler Gordon, who's got potential to be a good starter, especially in the nickel. And then Tyreek Stevenson, who was my favorite pick out of those day two selections. I think he's someone who's going to, he's the, he's the guy, him and Darnell Wright are the rookies. I think who are going to start right away. So I think with Stevenson, you know, size is there, length is there, physicality is there. He's intelligent. He's a willing tackler. Uh, You could make the argument that he and Jalen Johnson do have some similarities. Maybe if the Bears don't want to pay Jalen, you know, elite cornerback money, which I feel like he'll have a high asking price. I don't think he's an elite corner, Uh but I do think he's good. I do think he's good. And if they can come to a realistic price point for him, uh, then I'd be totally fine with paying Jalen, having Stevenson outside and then having Kyler inside as well. Uh, I think that's a really good young trio to work with going forward. 
Uh, I do think that gives the Bears a little bit of leverage in negotiations because they're saying, hey, all right, we have this Stevenson kid now. He does a lot of the stuff that you do, and we're paying him way less than what you want to be paid. So I think that'll that'll help as a little bit of an additional leverage uh, in contract negotiations. But I do get the sense the Bears want to keep him. So uh, I'm interested in seeing how that all plays out, but – as of now in the 2023, I really like Chicago secondary. I don't really think there's a weakness there right now. Yeah, that, that, that'd be great. Especially uh, with the modern passing game, you kind of need a lot of horses in that defensive backfield, oh, yeah. especially as much as, as, as they like to go nickel too. Um, another guy I want to ask you about one of my favorite picks, uh, if not my favorite pick uh, outside of Darnell Wright is Tyler Scott, who they got in the fourth round. Uh, what are your expectations of him? I know we heard, a little bit from Dave Wanstead, who, who thinks that maybe this could portend some trouble for one of the uh, wide receivers already on the team. I know some folks have thrown out Valus Jones as possibly being that guy. Uh, what are your expectations realistically for Tyler Scott? And do you think uh, he's got a chance to challenge uh, maybe one of the starters? I don't really think he's going to challenge for a starting role right away. I think it's pretty set with DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Chase Claypool. But the way I see it is you get a guy like Tyler Scott, who for the record I had as a third round value getting him late in round four, I thought was tremendous. Uh, He's someone I see as a potential starter down the line, probably not right away, but I think in year two, he's got serious potential to be a starting caliber wide receiver. So having said that, that makes it a little bit more digestible thinking about, okay, we have Darnell Mooney. We have Chase Claypool, both entering free agency at the end of this year, we don't have a contract extensions for either of them. We can't, we probably can't sign both of them just because you already have DJ Moore. You're paying him big money and there's no chance you're moving off of him. So it's gotta be one of those two. Uh, Having a guy like Tyler Scott in the wings does make it easier. Maybe there's a possibility they pay both Mooney and Claypool. I don't think that happens uh, just because that's a lot of money for wide receivers. And truthfully, I think that they could, get similar production out of, you know, that you get from Claypool that you get from maybe Mooney uh, with like a first or a second round pick at wide receiver in the draft. And you've got that early capital to use. Uh, So we'll see exactly what happens. I don't think uh, Scott's going to be a true starter right away, but I think he's going to get playing time. Uh, He's someone I think seriously though, has potential to be a good starter down the line. Real quick follow-up, because I agree with you. I don't see them signing both Claypool and, and Mooney, but with Scott's skill set, you think that aligns more with, with Mooney's skill set and that if Scott performs well and they see a lot out of him, does that spell uh, maybe more trouble for Mooney getting re-signed than Claypool, or do you see room for, for maybe Scott and Mooney both on this team and maybe Claypool is the odd guy out? I think it'll definitely be interesting to see the dynamic with Scott and Mooney because I, I agree there are a lot of similarities between those guys, both coming out of college and both you know in as Mooney as a player right now in the NFL. So, with that in mind, obviously I think there might be some times where Scott digs into Mooney's playing time a little bit, but at the same time I think Mooney has a little bit more leverage over Claypool in that he knows the offense a little bit better. Uh, He knows the, you know, he's got better chemistry as it stands right now with Justin Fields. He has that 1,000 yard season to his name. Uh, If you you care about it, he's, you know, 
probably has a higher reputation in Chicago in the locker room among guys who have been there longer. Uh, so I still think there's a chance they, you know, choose to move off of Claypool, but that is, you know, a good point where nobody on the bears roster has that skill set that chase Claypool has right now. I mean, I wouldn't include Equinemia St. Brown in the bunch, uh, just mm-hmm. the size and speed that Claypool has is certainly enticing. So I, I can't say definitively right now, but it is going to be something interesting to watch as the 2023 season goes on for the Bears. I want to go back to uh, a pick that was made before Tyler Scott, and honestly, one of the most important picks because he could be a day one starter. Roshan Johnson or Roshan Johnson out of Texas, really popular pick. People love it. Seems to think that he can come in and uh, just step in as the lead running back. He only had 93 carries last season and he was clearly behind Bajan Robinson at Texas. So uh, my question to you, Jacob is, I guess, not only just about the player and how he fits with the bears, but does it make it harder to evaluate guys who are like true backups to stars? Because this wasn't like a, a true split like we've seen with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle back in the day with Georgia. Yeah, it definitely makes it tougher. Uh, I'd say, you know, obviously, cause it's a smaller sample size. You don't, maybe know as much of what you're getting with a guy like Roshan Johnson than you do with Bijan Robinson. But with all that said, that could also be spun into, all right, this guy doesn't have as much tread on his tires. Uh, maybe we could, you know, there could be a little bit more longevity at the NFL level than there could be with a true bell cow back for three or four seasons. Uh, so when the case of Roshan, I think he's a very good player and, if he played, I believe if he played at most schools other than Texas and maybe Alabama, I think we're talking about Roshan Johnson as one of the first five running backs drafted in this class. I think that the potential there is strong enough to warrant that. You know, he's a big back. He's like six feet, like 220, just a well-built, powerful back, runs with a determined edge, you know, just tree trunks for legs, very good at running through uh, arm tackle attempts, which I'm really impressed by. Uh, He's got, and he's got quick feet too. He's not going to wow anyone in terms of, all right, this is like Chris Johnson in terms of how fast he is out in the open field. This is, you know, Oh, Tariq Cohen or whatever out in the open field as a pass catcher. He's not going to be quite that, but for a guy who's as big as he is, he's, he's pretty nimble which I think is going to be very beneficial to the bears. And he's a very good pass protector too, which I know that was a concern with a lot of people with David Montgomery being gone. Now you have Roshan Johnson. Now you have Travis Homer. I'd expect to see a lot more of Travis Homer on special teams now, but Roshan's fit right away is going to be interesting because you have, you know, him Homer, and then obviously Khalil Herbert and Deontay Foreman. That's going to be, a bit of a crowded running back room, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I just think there's a lot of talent there. It's just a matter of how you're going to allocate those touches. So it might take a little bit for Roshan to step in. I don't know if he's going to be a day one starter given Herbert was really efficient last year when he was healthy and Deontay Foreman's coming off of a massive year with the Panthers after they traded McCaffrey. So I'm going to be interested in seeing how that plays out, but I do think this was good value. He was another guy I had a round three on. So getting him in round four, I thought it's good value. And I'm never going to hate the idea of drafting a running back on day three, because more often than most positions, the you know return on investment can be super high. Jacob, people seem to be a little split on the prospects of Noah Sewell. Where, where do you think? What's his potential? 
Sano's a guy I was really high on uh, entering the season, you know, starting my draft evaluations uh, over the summer. And I saw his, some of his 2021 tape, and I was just really impressed with what I saw. Uh, I do think in 2022 he took a little bit of a step back. I don't think he was as mobile out in the open field. I don't think his change of direction was as good. But, you know, all that said, he's a big-bodied physical linebacker. I think he can play – I think he's going to play a, bit, a lot of Mike. He can also play Sam, and I think that you've got Jack Sanborn there who had a very good undrafted rookie year, but, you know, maybe there's an instance where he doesn't build on that, maybe an instance where it's just a flash-in-the-pan scenario. We've seen that in Chicago before with some of these young guys. So uh, – and, and that, and you're also looking at significant special teams value. Obviously, a guy who's that physical, a guy who's – built like what's a 240 250 somewhere in that range like he's a powerful linebacker and he hits hard so a guy who plays that hard at that weight is going to bring a lot of value on special teams and down the stretch I mean he tested incredibly well at the combine from an athleticism perspective and I thought what we saw at the combine was more in line with what we saw from him uh in 2021 on tape than what we saw in 2022 so uh, Sewell, you know, he's a smart defender. He's a physical defender. He's willing to lay the hammer down. And I think he offers some nice blitzing value. And even though he's not the best from a change of direction perspective, he has enough uh, awareness in coverage to not look completely clueless. So I was a really big fan of Sewell, both as this guy's going to be dominant on special teams in round five. And also I could see this guy really outplaying his potential draft value. Uh, whether that's right away, I don't know. But down the stretch, I think he's got starting potential for sure. Because he's not great laterally or change of direction, as you said, do you think a position change to edge is uh, in the future for him? Maybe. Uh, I do think that's a bit of a, a you know a bigger jump for him from being a you know, an off ball linebacker to a true hand in the dirt defensive end. So if that were to be the case, then I think that there'd be a, you know, a little bit of a learning curve and I wouldn't see too much of him in 2023. Uh, But I think there are some instances where at least in certain packages, you have Noah Sewell rushing, you sub him in as Sam, you have him rushing off the edge, you have him as a stand-up linebacker. And uh, I do think that there should be, especially if a guy gets hurt, I think Sewell's going to, you know, take on a decent role for the defense. So I, I don't think he's going to convert to a defensive end full-time, but I could see some instances where they have him rush off the edge in certain packages for sure. Hey, Jacob, with some of these late round picks, you know, you, you hope that uh, you maybe get one that, that pans out and can play really well for you. So I'm curious of the following three names, who do you think has the best chance to make an impact early on? Uh, Terrell Smith, Travis Bell, or Kendall Williamson. Do you see any of those guys potentially making a, an impact early? So I, this feel, I feel like uh, saying this is, uh, at least on my end, feels a little bit like a cop-out because he's the highest draft pick of the three, but I do think Terrell Smith has the highest ceiling. Uh, I think in the case of Travis Bell, you're looking at a small school interior defender who you know, plays hard and he has you know, very nice quickness off the ball, but I think from a technique perspective, there's still quite a ways to go. I think he's probably more of a guy you stash on the practice squad or you have him make the team, but he's inactive on game days. I think that's probably the uh, the path that you see with him, at least in 2023. And then Kendall Williamson, I'm kind of interested because as of now, DeAndre Houston Carson still hasn't been re-signed. So 
if he gets brought back into the fold, which, uh, you know, I'd like to see, I know a lot of people would like to see, but, uh, you know, if he doesn't, then I do think Williamson had stands a stronger chance of making it because of his tackling ability, because of the offside, the upside he has on special teams. But Terrell Smith, I see someone with very good length, very good size at corner, you know, definitely an outside guy. I think he's best on the boundary, but he can play boundary field side slot, wherever you put him. He's, you know, Minnesota moved him around a bit at the collegiate level. So tested very well, physical and coverage. Uh, there was an instance where he got benched in uh, 2021 and he was a backup in 2019 and 20 after being a starter in all of 18. So naturally he's going to fall down a little bit and making him, you know, more of a flyer in the fifth round. And I think that there's some inconsistencies with uh, lateral quickness, but as long as you're having him in, you know, like cover two zones, I think that he'd be a lot better suited there than say in a quarter situation where you have him truly stretching the field. But I think Smith's going to be good on special teams to start and have him as a guy who can potentially, you know, maybe he develops into something he's got the tools to do. So he's big enough. He's fast enough. So now it's just a matter of, can he put it all together from uh, consistent route recognition ability? Can he put it together from uh, just how quickly he comes in and out of his breaks? Uh, I think there's, there's definitely concerns with him and reasons where he needs to improve, but I think the tools are there for him to be definitely worth a shot here in round five. Any undrafted free agents that stood out to you, Jacob? And if, if so, who and why? Yeah, so the main one uh, I had the highest grade on was Tyson Bajan, the quarterback out of Shepard. And, look, I know the Bears have their quarterback in Justin Fields. They have a good backup in P.J. Walker. Uh, none of none of their spots are going to be in any jeopardy, I don't think. I mean, especially Fields. I mean, come on. But I think P.J. Walker is pretty safe as QB2, but – if you want to bring in QB three, I thought Bajan should have been drafted and relatively easily. I think it's a, I think it's a shame that you know we didn't get to see the first D two quarterback drafted since JT O'Sullivan in two thousand two, and it's a shame that I memorized that fact for nothing. Uh, but regardless, he's a guy who's got you know nice size. He's a good athlete. Tested well at the combine. Uh, outside of like your Will Levises and your Anthony Richardsons, like your, you know, early round picks, I think Tyson Bajan had the best arm of anyone, not, not only of who went day three, but out of the undrafted free agents too. Uh, I mean, the elasticity, the velocity behind it, the ability to throw from off platform, different angles, uh, it was really impressive to me. So definitely a work in progress. I think he's a bit careless with the ball sometimes and can make some, uh, you know, decisions that might have been covered up due to, you know, playing at the D2 level as opposed to uh, FBS or even or Power 5 or whatever. Uh, but I think the tools are there for him to succeed and to have a long NFL career as a backup. But uh, so I like that pick a lot. I thought he was a guy I would have taken a shot on in round six or seven. But to get him an undrafted free agency, I think he's someone who can make the team. And considering Nathan Peterman's the alternative at QB3, I think that Beijing belongs – in the organization at some capacity. I just, I just want to see how he's going to do in camp in the preseason. I don't know, man, you got to get those DBs work. You got to let them feel good about themselves when they can catch <laughs> all those interceptions in camp. That's the best part of Nathan Peterman. Good point. That's a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I'll, uh, I'll concede on that one. <laughs> I do um, like it, but yeah. Yeah. 
So Jacob, you've obviously done a ton of work leading up to this. I know it's basically a year long process, but now that the draft's over, what's next? I mean, seriously, like what, uh, you know, what are you working on next? You know, maybe like future plans, you know, what's, what's coming up now this spring? Yeah, no, definitely. So I, uh, tomorrow I do have around one 2024 mock draft coming out. You uh, sick man. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm the worst. I spent the last couple of weeks before the draft, uh, getting ahead on 2024 prospects. And then that, you know, draft weekend is just constant, 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 this 2023 class. But yeah, I do have that coming out. I'm going to be doing, uh, more 2024 work sporadically over the summer. I'm not going to, you know, shove it down people's throats or anything. Cause I know not everyone's into that, but there'll be a little bit of stuff. Uh, as for me, like these next couple of weeks, I'm graduating college in the next, uh, in two weeks now. Yeah. Two weeks. So that's a, that's a big thing that I've got, you know, going on. So still figuring out the full-time gig opportunity, but uh, yeah, honestly, just looking forward to being able to you know, just grind it out and enjoy these next couple of weeks with maybe a, a little bit of 2024 tape watching uh, sprinkled in there a little bit. Dude, that is that is awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, um, congratulations, man. Yeah. yeah. I can I can I ask the question? Are you wanting to kind of like because I'm in a similar boat, especially with writing for Bears Wire. It's not my full time gig. It's a side yeah. thing. I enjoy it are you wanting to kind of like work in sports full time? Are you kind of like enjoying doing this as more of a hustle? Yeah. So where I'm at right now is I kind of do prefer it as like a side gig. Uh, I think if, you know, the right opportunity comes around, then, you know, certainly I'm not going to say no to it, but I think that, you know, I really love what I'm doing right now. I love working at Windy City Gridiron, Uh, you know, great staff, great boss. I get a lot of, uh, a lot of freedom to do whatever I want. And I realize if I did this full time, maybe some people out there wouldn't be as receptive to me doing 2024 mock draft articles for like a Chicago newspaper in April or May of the year before. So uh, like, I know that what I do is, you know, it's a little bit niche, but uh, it's my niche and it's something that I'm uh, happy with. I'm uh, enjoying my work. So if the right thing came up, I'd be open to it, but I'm, uh, you know, my degree isn't in journalism and, you know, I'm looking to, you know, preferably go for a career long-term outside of that. That's awesome. I totally get that. And it's funny when you said like, you know, Oh, some things may not be for everyone. I thought you were going to say the, the Will Levis tweet about (laughs) milk. That was the funniest thing. (laughs) I mean, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Jacob, Jacob likes that fun on Twitter. Um, he made a tweet basically just joking that it came out that Will Levis hates milk and that he's falling off draft boards and people <laughs> actually took it seriously. <laughs> it was the best. So yeah. if, I, if I tweeted stuff like that, then I'd probably be getting fired. Uh, so I, I like the, I like the nice, uh, the little bit of a long leash that, uh, Lester Wilpon's <laughs> given me over at Windy City Gridiron, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, that's part of the fun though. It's just messing around on Twitter and you know, really having fun with it all. I think that's a big thing for me. For sure. And last thing I'll say before, uh, before we let you go, I graduated uh, college, was it nine years ago now? And that was the year they pushed the draft back to mid-May. If you remember that, the 2014 draft. Yeah. Could you imagine, could you imagine going through graduation (laughs) and the NFL draft is happening at that same time? 
that would that that's like a nightmare scenario right there. Like I, I lucked out so big that it, you know, the draft came and went like a couple of weeks before graduation, but man, I, I couldn't imagine like part of me would just be upset because like I'm oh I'm graduating, it's this big thing, but also I want to see what the Bears are doing in round two. So uh <laughs> yeah, no, I'm uh I definitely don't envy you there, but uh yeah, no, I'm just uh I, I got lucky. I got lucky they moved it around. Definitely. Well, Jacob, um, I, I could, I think I could speak for all of us uh, when we say we appreciate you so much for coming on. I've been following you for a long time, even well, I think while you were in high school still, and just seeing your rise, seeing how much you've grown in this and become one of the, I will say, authorities in NFL draft coverage, especially Bears coverage, is really cool to see. So uh, keep doing your thing, and thank you for being a good sport with everything. Um, you're you're great at what you do, and we really appreciate it, man. No, thank you guys. I, I really appreciate the kind words. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like I enjoy what I do and I'm very grateful to have, you know, a lot of you know, positive feedback, not all of it's positive, but uh, you know, most of it I'm grateful is, and you know, it's, it's stuff like that, that, you know, keeps me going to, when I'm feeling tired, like I have been today, you know, it's, you know, nice little, you know, comments like that and being able to have these types of conversations uh, with, you know, people who know what they're talking about and, you know, they ha have a good time with it. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that keeps me going. So I appreciate you guys for having me on for sure. Absolutely. Thanks, yeah. We appreciate it. Of course. Go get some sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gonna need to. I might take a drink of water and then just sit in my bed for the rest of the night. Um, my voice, I, if you could tell my voice is getting a little raspy uh, because of like all the podcasts and stuff yeah. that I was doing over the weekend. So Talking a lot, but uh, you know, looking forward to resting, resting a little bit. That's going to be the big thing for me. Absolutely. You earned it. Well, thank you, man. Have a good night. No, of course. And thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, thank Jacob. I forgot to mention, if you want to follow Jacob on Twitter, he's at Jacob Infante 24. If you aren't already, because the dude has just thousands of followers and check out his work at Windy City Gridiron. He has been just grinding forever. But it's great, great insight and probably one of the best people to talk to right after the draft. Yeah, absolutely. He had a, a, a perfect timing. I mean, you couldn't have timed this any better. If, if you want uh, to get a back brief on some of the Bears picks and understand, um, you know, how, how valuable those guys are and, and what the Bears are thinking and how they're going to contribute to the Bears in the future. I mean, there's nobody better, in my opinion. Uh, on Twitter and, and out there than Jacob. So thrilled that we were able to get him on. So uh, I know our, our listeners certainly will enjoy this one. Aside from his personal preference, it's obviously is the most important thing. I mean, uh, maybe Brendan, you can advise me, you know, the market a little bit better, but how does someone not snatch him up and have him be a part? I mean, if that's what he would want to do, he's so well-spoken, so knowledgeable, uh, you know, the work is thorough and, and incredibly well done. I would, I would, I would think that there would be folks coming, coming, knocking down his door. Probably, but I totally get what he's saying. Um, I've had kind of not like, you want, right? Yeah. Not like offers, but like, you know, there's been a couple conversations like, Hey, you know, do you want to do this full time at this place or whatever? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of factors you have to weigh and, you know, I don't talk about it much. I have a, I, I really enjoy my full-time job and I enjoy that I'm able to do this as a side hustle. It's kind of that nice work-life balance. So it, it's just, you know, it's personal preference, but of course, like sure. 
you know, he's been able to uh, just rise up through Windy City Gridiron. You know, he's doing things. Uh, he, I'm not sure if he still is, but through DraftWire, getting those interviews. So, um, you know, it's it's all personal preference, but it's sure. yeah, I'm sure I'm sure the door, you know, uh, definitely would be knocking. So, but anyway, well, and um, if you did something like this full time, Brandon, you'd probably have to give up your OnlyFans account, right? And so that would be be a little that's conflicted. True. That's true. Yeah, All I do on my OnlyFans account, though, is actually just post pictures of my dog. No, I don't have an OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> I realize as I start talking, I'm like, shoot, I should probably just nip it. Right <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. But if you wanted to DM me for the username and password. Uh, <laughs> First you know. month free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just use the code. <laughs> I, ain't doing, I wouldn't do anything for free. <laughs> oh, that's true. Well, that's All, right. All right. We'll try to get, I know Ryan's not here, but I got to keep this thing somewhat. That's true. On the that's tracks. true. It's, it's, hard. Hard. it's, it's difficult. Cool. All right. So we, we talked with Jacob, we got his insights. I want to hear everybody else's insights and I'll share my own. We talked a little bit, or we talked a lot actually about Darnell Wright on, um, on Thursday night, Jack, myself, Ryan, and we even had Logan on. We have Logan here. It was awesome. Go listen to that episode. You're going to get all of the, um, all the insight from the four of us. But Sheldon, you unfortunately weren't able to make it. So I want to hear from you. What were your thoughts when the Bears selected Darnell Wright? I loved it. Uh, so I know I've had maybe some more patience with Ryan Poles and others in addressing the offensive line. I've kind of understood where he's coming from. And I would have loved to have seen him address it in free agency this, this last year. Uh, I understood, well, sorry, <laughs> uh, understood why he didn't address it last year. Uh, but then I felt like, okay, it's now or never, um, fields, fields needs help and he needs it now. And we can't wait another year, another free agent cycle or another draft cycle, uh, to address, uh, the offensive line and get him some help. So I was really, really hoping he would go with an offensive line with the first pick. Uh, and he did. And I, you know, from what I've read, uh, Darnell Wright seems like a, a terrific pick, uh, as much as I like his abilities on the field, which uh, you can go look at the stats are phenomenal in terms of like, you know, how few pressures he gave up, no sacks playing in the sec going up against guys like Will Anderson, who, who he handled fairly easily. Um, it's very impressive, but the more I hear from him on interviews and on the radio, he just seems like a guy that's really going to fit in with that culture really well. He's got a little bit of a sense of humor to him. He's very charismatic. Um, and I, I just think he's going to be, he's what you want in offensive lineman. Somebody that's big and jolly and fun, uh, but also a guy who's like, Hey, if you knock over my quarterback, you and I are going to have some words in the parking lot kind of guy. So, um, he just seems to, he fits the quintessential mold of an offensive lineman for me. And uh, I was really happy to see him, um, added to the bears. I agree. I, I loved what hearing from him on the radio stations is all of his interviews he's done since coming into town. It seems like a great guy, very charismatic. Like you said, one bonus thing I realized and Jack pointed out, there's going to be some fun now that I could do on Brendan's breakdowns with the name, oh, right? Oh, with absolutely. You, wait, oh. you and Darnell. Yeah, what a powerful, <laughs> poetic last name. I think that's maybe one of the most impressive elements and probably what influenced polls the most. To the <laughs> I mean, we talked a little bit about it the other night. I mean, first of all, the guy plays, he didn't miss very many games. Uh, he's a bulldozer on double teams. He's got this nice variety of tools. He, 
he can like snatch and trap uh, a guy when you know he's in pass blocking. Uh, he can reach. Uh, he can pass off. He can zone block. Uh, I've seen him slide step, jump step. Um, and Getzi said, you know, that he's so good at anchoring that even if he misses on his initial uh, hand contact, he can still get set and anchor. I I thought watching him pass block that he almost made it look easy sometimes um, because he is so big and athletic. I mean, dude runs, you know, like a a five second 40s in the 90th percentile on running the 40, but I don't know. I just, and and if he accidentally missed it on occasion, he could redirect so well. Um, So yeah, I, I, you, you needed an offensive lineman. You needed to get support for Justin Fields. Uh, I thought it was a home run. I mean, obviously on paper, we'll see how it pans out on the field. One of the, one of my favorite things, and we'll get to the rest of the draft picks after was hearing Ryan Poles talk about the selection and the process of getting through it. And he mentioned that he was the one who went with the assistant coaches down to Tennessee to work him out with Chris Morgan and they put him through the ringer. They they made him memorize things. They had him regurgitate it back. They changed things up. They basically just threw him, put him through the gauntlet of workouts and made him essentially like try and tap out and just, you know, work him until he was done. And he said like, there was no quitting him. He just wouldn't stop. And he just, you know, passed all the, all the tests, checked all the boxes. And that's when Paul said, that's when I knew he was the guy. So We've said it a lot, having an ex-offensive lineman lead this team as a general manager. That right there, I think, is a huge reason why it's so beneficial because you could make go through those tests and be there with the assistant coaches to see that. So that was really cool to see. That's a great point, Brendan, something I neglected to bring up. Uh, there's been some, there have been some rumors about his work ethic that have come out since the pick. Um, and... I think the big difference is, you know, cause a lot of people are saying, well, why is it okay to pick him if he's got some work ethic concerns, but not Jalen Carter. I think the big difference is to your point, the bears put him through the ringer, did their due diligence, uh, did their investigatory work and came out the other end and said, we have no concerns about Darnell Wright's work ethic. And I think they did after the, the Jalen Carter due diligence. So I think that's the big difference. Um, you know, so I, I wouldn't be concerned personally with some of those rumors. We heard a lot of those rumors about Justin Fields uh, when he was drafted. And we now know that that those couldn't have been further from the truth. So take those all with a giant grain of salt and trust the the process and the work that these teams do to really dig into their character. All right. I said we were going to get to the other draft picks, but first I need to address this. Our friend Todd Welter. He's looking for my lack of Bears decorations in my in my office, especially after I posted the uh, the video I had uh, making or just having fun with Bears mock drafters. So if anybody wants to send me more Bear stuff, I have a ton of stuff that's downstairs in my basement too. I gotta spread out. I gotta spread out the love, Todd. But if anybody wants to send me Bears stuff, just I thought he was being up. sarcastic. You got quite a bit in the background. I don't right? know. I can't tell because he was saying like one of my walls was too bare. I, you I got know. like two pennant or a pennant, two helmets, a flag, another desk helmet. I also it. got Cletus, the fox robot in bears colors back there. Yeah. Nice. All right. What What is that on the top bookshelf? I've always wondered. It looks like a like mini collection of Super Bowl trophies. I don't I can't see that. Oh, in the uh, top left. Yeah. Those are uh, Cubs bobbleheads from the 2016 World Series team. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> We're so off track. Okay. 
Let's get back <laughs> on track with the Bears. Day two. I'm going to lump Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter in just one category just because they're both our defensive tackles. But I want to hear from you guys just things that stood out, good, bad. And we'll go through this with every pick. We'll try to be efficient. Um, we'll go shells, Jack, and I'll wrap it up. So we're, we're going, this is just on those two guys. Just Dexter on those and, two guys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I'll start with Pickens. Uh, you'll see, I got my, my South Carolina Gamecocks cup here. I've had the, I, I lived in South Carolina, so I have the opportunity to watch the Gamecocks a lot. Um, I was really happy with that pick. I think like watching some of the South Carolina games, he was one of the guys that kind of stood out to me. He's one of the guys that you looked and you're like, when, when he flashed, he looked really good. Um, I think the concern with both of those guys is getting that out of them consistently. I think the bears again, and we've talked about this in the past, they've got a lot of faith and confidence in their coaching ability and their ability to develop players. And I think uh, they think they can get the best out of these guys. I will admit, uh, I think I texted you guys. I was listening to the draft when they, when they selected Dexter and the very first thing they said about him was, you know, he doesn't show up a lot. And they use just about every euphemism short of calling him lazy. Uh, and, and that kind of concerned me. I was like, I keeping in mind, I don't, I have not watched any uh, Dexter tape. So it, it's not like I know whether that's accurate or not, but that was their first impression. And so that was a little bit concerning to me. Um, I think some, some folks on Twitter have come out some Florida fans and have said, yeah, that may be a little bit overblown, but uh, I think it really comes down with both of those guys to them getting into the, the building and in the system and working with the coaches and, and maximizing their potential. Because from a traits perspective, from an athletic perspective, they're freaks. And I think they could be super, super productive guys. But like Jacob said, their best ball is probably ahead of them. I think, you know, especially I said with Javon Dexter that I, it's possible that he's a bit of a, a project. I mean, he, He's a, a guy who went from basketball to football. But if you listen to Pace, he was really impressed with watching film from uh, his freshman year where Pace said, admittedly, he just looked a little bit lost out of position, really terrible technique, but then in incredibly better, you know, sophomore and junior year and found himself on the field more and more. But I did watch film of him like right out of the gate. And I got to admit, I was a little concerned about a guy who is that freakishly big and fast who seemed to just stand up like straight up and play vertically on the defensive line. Now, Pace came out later and said that the scheme was a little bit more of a, a mirror scheme at Florida where you do stand up and you kind of watch in the backfield and you look for flow and then you react. It's going to be a much different, uh, you know, type of defensive front and set where he's going to have to get his pads low. He's going to have to be more explosive with his feet and his hands, which is something that Pickens is very good at. I think like elite level good at harmonious hands and feet uh, for Pickens. So, you know, the, the big thing that I said, you know, I talked to, to Brendan a little bit and I've been talking with some folks on Twitter. I think it's different for these bears to take what might be considered a project. I just, I said three things, three key differences. You've got an SEC project that's a little bit different than like North Carolina, A&T, you know, uh, or some other obscure, you know, obscure school that, you know, 
pace was picking. Um, you've got an infrastructure and a developmental plan. You've got guys like Braxton Jones getting better over the course of last year. Kyler Gordon clearly got better. These coaches coach. We've talked about that. Um, and there's a clear organizational agenda. When we talk about the traits that, you know, both of these D tackles have, you hear him say it all the time. You know, you heard in his presser, Poles is saying he's got great length. He's really athletic. Take a look at his vert. Take a look at his speed. You know, um, so uh, these were needs we needed. <laughs> we, we needed we needed trench guys, and we got trench guys, and I hope that they really play well. A couple notes I had. Dexter was the higher-rated defensive tackle coming out of high school uh, to Jalen Carter. So he's rated higher than Carter. Of course, Carter went first, and he was the highest-rated defensive tackle in the draft but that kind of shows what people thought of him coming out of high school he was also i understand like the the concerns about maybe not necessarily motor but just technique and what he needs to work on he was a tackling machine which i thought is really interesting for an interior defensive lineman he had two straight seasons of more than 50 tackles that's almost unheard of for a guy from that position carter didn't have that much he had like 32 keanu benton uh was lower Brian Brise, he was lower. So it's it's just a little bit interesting. Like he's very active when it comes to actually wrapping up ball carriers. And then Zach Pickens, I was very impressed with his quick, his quickness off the line, a little bit smaller, which makes sense to, you know, kind of play that potential three technique if he can, you know, get through and cause some chaos. Very, very motivated to stop the run, too, which is always what you want to hear, uh, especially coming from an interior lineman. So um yeah, I I do kind of get those like flashbacks though. I understand these two guys came uh, from big SEC schools. So did Will Sutton and Eagle Ferguson. <laughs> I and I can't remember exactly where Will Sutton came from. I know Eagle Ferguson was LSU, but you kind of had those same thoughts like, okay, we're we're plugging up the middle. The big I will say the big difference you actually have a defensive staff in place that knows how to use these guys. Mel Tucker back in the day during the Trestman era had no freaking clue. So hopefully this is the next coming, at least some sort of, of Tank Johnson and Tommy Harris minus the guns. And you've got Billings, you know, you signed him in free agent to be that big, huge, you know, three tech run stopper. You've got Jones, you know, still on the roster as you know, Jacob said, he'll probably start and you can bring these, you know, these other two, two guys along, um, so, I mean, we're better there than we were before yeah. this draft started. All right. Next up Tyreek Stevenson, the cornerback out of the U shells. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, again, not a guy that uh, I'm not a draft guru. Um, <clears throat> but what I do like about him is, uh, he's got a lot of toughness and got a little edge to him. The I'll admit the first thing I thought of when I when I heard some of his qualities, his positive qualities, was a little bit of Kendall Vildor because I feel like we heard a lot of the same things about him coming out of college, kind of a bulldog and a, and a bit sticky. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, obviously the the level of competition Stevenson's playing at was was a little bit higher, but uh, he seems to be another pick that um, kind of fits what what uh, Matt Eberflus wants out of his guys. Just that that toughness and that dedication and that football first mindset. So uh, we will see. Uh, but I, I like, I like the idea of having three quality defensive backs um, in the modern NFL. I think you can never have too many 
quality cornerbacks, especially as I said a minute ago, the amount that Eberflus and this defense go nickel is like, you know, uh, top five in the league every year. So they need the horses in the defensive backfield. But that that room all of a sudden makes you smile, doesn't it? You start listing yeah. some of those names, and that's it's impressive. Uh, I mean, as far as Stevenson, he's six foot, one hundred ninety eight pounds, runs a four four five forty. Uh, you know, he I think he measures a little bit more like a, a safety. Um, you know, Poles and Flus were incredibly impressed uh, with the one on one drills. He is excellent in press coverage. He's like simultaneously patient and also physical he's got enough speed that he can if he gets you know a little out of position he can make up that ground i have heard some red flags with him in zone coverage i don't know if it's just because he had a terrible game in north carolina i believe he let three deep balls go over his head and so some of the pundits are saying he gets a little confused in zone and he doesn't come up on the run overly well but hey he doesn't know about the hits principle yet. And when he does, it will all be solved. <laughs> Isn't it kind of funny you hear DBU and a guy doesn't know how to play zone coverage? That's a little, that's a little weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he, he did lead Miami in pass breakups last year. So there, there is that. I mean, that could also be he was targeted a lot. Who knows? Um, I thought it was interesting. He transferred out of Georgia to Miami because he, they were playing him inside there. He wanted to play outside. So kind of like Kyler Gordon, he has a little bit of versatility, but I'm assuming they're probably going to keep him on the outside, especially if, like Jackie said, he has those zone coverage issues. But you're right. This cornerback room looks so much better. And I think it's interesting that so far, Poles and Iberflus are looking for guys who can play that press and physical nature at the cornerback position, which we talked a little bit about. Thank you, TJ, for confirming Arizona State for Will Sutton. But we talked a little bit about Jalen Johnson potentially not being here after this season. He's also a press guy, so you would think all of these players kind of fit what the Bears need. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't hate that they went cornerback that early. It's a position, it's a premium position. You need that. <laughs> and, you know, I think as Jacob was saying, like it's a passing league, you got to have guys who can stop wide receivers. And the NFC North, maybe it's not as dominant as it once was, but you still have Justin Jefferson. You still have Amon Ross St. Brown. You still have receivers that can do some damage. So uh, we already talked about Zach Pickens a little bit. Let's go to Roshan Johnson. The fourth round was my, my favorite. Uh, I don't know how you all felt, but. I really love what Poles did in the fourth round and it starts with Johnson. I feel like he was, he was overshadowed quite a bit, obviously playing behind um, the number one running back in the country and, and number one running back taken in this draft almost to the point where like, I think he was unfairly overshadowed. I think that Robinson was so good that I think people really um, don't realize how, how powerful and how fast uh, Johnson is. And you love a guy like that who is a willing blocker. I mean, the, the Bears seem to love this guy. I mean, you, you hear the stories about them bringing him in and and um, just how much he kind of resonated and clicked right away uh, with the Bears. And and I think they feel really good about him long term. Um, I would say that that maybe doesn't uh, spell good things for some of the other backs in, in, on the roster currently. 
um, some of whom who may be coming up for a contract extension soon. Uh, but they seem really like the kid. I think he's really good. I think he got overshadowed at, at Texas. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's the second best running back when all said and done out of this draft. You know, Ryan texted us and said, well, they don't like Dotson Foreman. And I think that's not it. I think that you you, you got to have a stable of backs in the modern NFL, you know, and, and the fact that, like, you know, we're not getting them in the first round, which I don't think we preferred as we talked about, but you're, rather you're getting them later in the draft is is excellent. Uh, six foot, 219 pounds, uh, runs a four five eight forty. a former quarterback, uh, real soft hands, fumbled one time at Texas. So he protects the ball. And you said it to, um, you know, Patrick, you have a void now in terms of the need of a pass blocking running back as soon as David Montgomery goes to Detroit. We saw that Herbert really struggled in that regard. And one of the pluses for Johnson is that that he's uh, – you know, that he's, he's a very good, um, you know, pass blocker uh, when they do max protection sets. So, uh, yeah, he stuff is he, like the word is he stuffs blitzers when they when they come hard. So yeah. that's great to hear. <laughs> Just need a moment. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I look, I look I'm channeling my inner Shaquille O'Neal. I know. Uh, I don't know Just, if you all you know, saw bring that. It bring it back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love – I'm – Man, I got to get back on track. All right. So <laughs> Bijan Robinson, he averaged 6.1 yards per carry at Texas. He had a ton of carries. I think he had like over 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns. Guess how many yards per carry Roshan Johnson averaged? 112. And Nine. a little less. 6.9. No, but 6. 6.0. Okay. Okay. Wow. Right. Yeah. So Great. basically, I mean, when you when you look at it from that standpoint – very similar yards per carry, which is great. 93 carries last season. And Jacob mentioned it. When you have a player that only had, does not have much wear and tear at a position that is known for the most wear and tear possible, that's such a good sign when it comes to potential. You know, maybe you get some more years out of the guy. You can, you know, hopefully not run him into the ground as fast. Bijan called him his favorite teammate as well. He just spoke very highly of his character, who he is as a person. It really seems like Ryan Poles is going after those guys. Like he wants those character guys. Big reason probably why Jalen Carter wasn't on, on the board for them or wasn't on their board. So there's there's a ton of potential. It does remind me a little bit of 2019 where, of course, there was Tariq Cohen. They signed Mike Davis as the you know potential lead back, somebody who hadn't had a lot of carries. And in comes David Montgomery. And sooner or later – Montgomery was the one that took over with Cohen still having a role as the kind of scat back. So there could be a very similar situation here with Herbert Foreman and Johnson. So uh, yeah, very excited. I think it was a great spot to get a running back and Foreman and Herbert are fine, but it was still a need. I would say Uh, the next pick in the fourth round, AJ or no, I'm sorry, not AJ um, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. Uh, Shells, you said this was this was your favorite round, and people are calling this one of the steals of the draft. What are your thoughts on uh, the new wide receiver? Yeah, I, I think this was my favorite pick um, outside of Darnell Wright. I said the morning of the that, that round, I wanted the Bears to take him with the first pick of the fourth round. That was before they traded it to the, the Saints, I believe. Um, so when they traded it, and then they, they took uh, Roshan with the first pick in the fourth draft, I kind of 
I kind of put that out of my mind as a possibility because I really liked the kid. And I, I was surprised to see he was still available in the fourth. I said, surely he'll be gone by their second pick. And then I can't remember how I found out. I think it popped on Twitter or something. And uh, and I was stunned that that we were able to snag him. And I was really excited because uh, you all know I love JSN. I, I didn't think they could go uh, him first round. But I've wanted wide receivers who are fast, but also great route runners. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, we need a burner. We need somebody to take the top off the defense. And yeah, you, you do need that. But wouldn't it be nice to have a guy who can do that and also have a, a complimentary route tree, can do more than just like burn? And I think that's Tyler Scott. He's a, a very good route runner already. And I think he's got a lot of room uh, to, to be even better. And he's a guy that can also take the top off the defense. You see a lot of his highlights. And if he's not burning and getting beyond the, 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 you know, safeties, he's taking those quick slants and absolutely turning on the jets uh, and outrunning everybody. And if you can do that, and you're also a very competent route runner, I just think that opens up so many more opportunities. So, um, you know, maybe like a JSN light pick to me, uh, obviously a, a JSN, I think is well, more, uh, well advanced <clears throat> or more advanced than, then Scott is at this point, but I was just really happy to get a guy this late uh, who I think is that talented as both a speedster and a route runner. So all three of us are larger human beings than him. Not that that necessarily matters. He's 5'10", 177. He ran a, a 4'4", 440. Um, so since you talked uh, about his highlights, I'll just talk about a couple of the things that I've set, seen uh, in terms of uh, perhaps uh, weaknesses or drawbacks. I mean, so he he is a, uh, a running back turned wide receiver. He's also a former track star. So his, his speed is, is next level. There's no doubt about that. He's not going to be a factor in the run game, but I don't think that will necessarily be a factor because I think Getsy will learn how to use him in the situations that – you know, don't include that. That's not what he's being brought here for. Um, but with that slight stature, he's going to have to be very good at getting off the line. And there was some evidence of him getting knocked off route pretty easily. Uh, he had seven drops, uh, I think, in his senior year. And there is some criticism of him uh, tending to catch the ball in, in his body, especially on deep routes, letting it hit his pads as, as opposed to his hands. Um, so that maybe his catch radius isn't so so great. Uh, I'm not trying to like poo poo him. I'm uh, he's. I hope he's great. You know, hopefully, you know, Brennan and I'll go to camp again, and he'll flash. You know, he'll stand out. It was. It's really easy to kind of get a pecking order of the, you know, the various position groups when when you're there uh, and see who's where on that pecking order early on, and so. Hopefully it's all the other things you talked about that, that stand out about him and that they can start to work. If those things are truly issues, they can begin to work some of those things um, out of him. Jack, I like, I really do like that you're bringing up those negatives because we are, we try to be like positive when it comes to draft picks. We always look for the, Hey, he can do this. He could do that. But then you also have to look at the things that he doesn't do well. And it's also probably a good reason why he fell clearly teams had a reason for, for passing on him so many times. So I think it's important to kind of uh, highlight those. Some things I've found, you guys have kind of mentioned them, just his speed, his playmaking ability. People talk about just when he gets the ball in his hands, how he's able to just become a true weapon. It is funny to me. I know we're talking about comparing him to Darnell Mooney in terms of play style, but the fact that we got a speedster who's maybe a little bit more refined route runner, 
who is 21 years old compared to what happened with Valus Jones last year. And we got him like 60 plus picks later than Valus was picked is kind of funny to me. Just I, it's funny. So um, I think it was a steal though. His pro comparison um, on NFL.com was T.Y. Hilton. So that's really exciting. <laughs> I mean, yeah. geez, if he's yeah. any semblance of T.Y. Hilton, Bears got a huge, no. huge steal there. And then, uh, yeah, the last thing I'll say is he has special teams experience, which is great. He, um, Nicholas Mariano, CHGO, mentioned that he had over 200 snaps of special teams uh, under his belt in Cincinnati. So that's another asset to be used on the field, not just at wide receiver. So I'm very excited to see what he can do. Um, probably going to take a while for him to actually crack the rotation. Not everybody is Darnell Mooney as a fifth-round pick and just skyrockets the depth chart, especially when – the receiver group should be pretty good, but should be exciting to see him. All right, we're well, going to do great competition uh, too. I mean, that, great no, competition, right? Competition. Yeah, the wide like, receiver room looks a lot different yeah. too. Like especially yeah. after what we were talking about, you know, uh, two years ago. You know, yeah, you the- better bring your A game to camp if you're wide receiver on this team. Agreed. In the words of Matt Eberflus, get your track shoes ready. <laughs> All right, next up, we're going to go. Um, We'll go next with Noah Sewell, linebacker from Oregon, and then I feel bad shortchanging the final three picks, but we'll kind of hit those all at once uh, just in the uh, in the sense of time. So we'll talk about Noah Sewell quickly. Shells, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I could probably lump all four of those guys in. I don't know anything about all of them, if I'm being completely honest. Like, there's other, unless you're Jacob Infante and you're doing this stuff for a living, there's nobody who heard those picks and went, Oh yeah, and I mean, other than he's no, he's Penny Sewell's brother, right? Like that was the only thing. That's that, pretty. That's uh, pretty much it for me. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Like, okay, that'll be a cool story twice a year. Otherwise, I I couldn't tell you a thing about him uh, beyond what Jacob said about him today. Maybe, and your question was a good one. Uh, you wrote it. I asked it about having mixed feelings about Sewell because I'm not sure he necessarily fits the traits of the linebackers that Fluce is looking for. Um, He's a big dude, man. I mean, he played all three seasons at Oregon, six one and a half. Uh, he's two hundred and forty six pounds. Uh, I don't think I have his forty time. Oh, you're in a four six four. Um, but he is a like a pure run stopper, like pad level. You're like, willing to come up and thump without a doubt. Uh, like super strong upper body. Um, but I think I think what'll be interesting, and maybe he's a special teamer. I don't know. Or maybe he's, maybe he shows up like a Jack Sanborn who just, you know, you know, that dog can hunt, but, but it's, it seems like he's not as good in space from what some of the, you know, prognosticators say. And so he'll kind of lose himself and lose like crossing receivers or get himself blocked in situations uh, on occasion. And so, so in those ways, he doesn't, he doesn't sound like, you know, Edmonds or, you know, some of the other uh, linebackers that were, we seem to be, um, gravitating towards now. If Brian Urlacher, and he probably is, if he's the gold standard of playing laterally from sideline to sideline, Noah Sewell is the complete opposite of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he can't really do it. He's, he's more up and down. And, yeah, yeah. Which is why I think potentially a switch to the edge position may be in his future. Who knows? A um, couple things I found uh, besides of course he, him being the brother of Panay Sewell, Um, He's actually decent at rushing the passer. So according to Courtney Cronin, um, 
His 18% pressure rate over the last two seasons ranks 11th out of over a thousand FBS players with at least a hundred pass rushes. So he's pretty good at actually, you know, when he's asked to get after the quarterback, he can do it. And then um, another trait that I think the bears have highlighted is durability. Never missed a game. So the best, you know, our good, good friend, friend of the podcast, Tom Waddle always says the best ability is availability. So it's nice to know that uh, there were no injury flags coming out of school for him. So you know that, that's a great never point. Trust a fart, though. So, what's that? I thought you were gonna. He also says never trust a fart, right? Isn't that? <laughs> well, that's because he he's got stomach issues like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes he gambles and he loses. Yes. Um, but your point is such a great one because you know I was thinking about that when some of these guys were being selected, and you know, and I'm gonna knock on you know knock on wood like crazy here because. Think about the amount of times where the Bears have drafted somebody and then like in the weeks after there's some like phantom injury that all of a sudden mm-hmm. comes out with a back or a knee or something like that. So that point about getting guys that are durable and that, I even mentioned it with some of the guys like he plays, he played a lot of college football games uh, and maybe that will create wear and tear that could be a problem later. But I think that more so proves durability. Um, and besides Kramer, unless I'm forgetting, and that was a freak accident, I mean, as compared to Jenkins, you know, being drafted and having nothing but issues as a, for instance, I don't know as if we've had anybody in the polls era so far that has been chronically injured. No, Braxton played every snap. Um, Kyler Gordon missed time with a concussion. And I think Brisker did as well. But of course, that's concussions. Totally different scenario. Gordon missed a lot of camp, right? Didn't he have, was it a hamstring or something? Uh, yeah, he did. He You're right. uh, I forget what the injury was, but I know he missed a lot of camp. That was one of the reasons he got off to a pretty slow start. You're right. True. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I, I was very interested. I, I'd heard of Noah Sewell. Um, Jacob was right. He was much higher rated after the 2021 season where he was just racking up tackles. Wasn't as effective last year, which is probably why he fell but he's got the name recognition, so that's kind of cool. And, yeah, you get the Panay Sewell storyline. All right, so the last three picks, uh, cornerback Terrell Smith out of Minnesota, Travis Bell out of Kenesaw State, and then um, Kendall Williamson, safety out of Stanford. Of course, late-round picks. Um, you guys got anything on him, anything uh, that stands out? I do, actually. They will Ooh. forever be the three guys who denied me the opportunity to have Zach Koontz on this team. And for that <laughs> – uh, I will never forgive them unless they all become Hall of Famers. Oh, all of them. All, well, they have to because he could have picked Zach with any one of those three picks. So they all mm-hmm. need to become Hall of Famers because uh, I could have had a lot of fun on this podcast with that pick. And I'm not going to have that opportunity anymore. So I'll, I'll ask the question. Right. Short, short sighted, yeah. Yeah. I'll ask the question right now. Uh, were you surprised that a tight end or even interior offensive lineman wasn't picked? Yeah. Uh, more so the tight ends. Cause I think this was a lot deeper class yeah. uh, for the interior linemen. I feel like maybe they don't see it as much of a pressing need as, as I did. And then that's fair, right? They've got white hair. They got Patrick, maybe Kramer if he comes back and, and he shows something, um, like he said, you can't solve all your problems in one off season and one draft. 
And I think they probably rank ordered their needs, like what they felt were the most pressing and then assessed against positional value and who was available and all that stuff factored in. And when it all came out in the wash, they were just like center wasn't, wasn't a pressing need at that particular pick or that particular round based on this current um, roster. So I was a little bit less surprised they didn't go center. Um, I would have liked to have seen it for sure. Uh, but I just don't think they saw it as a need tight end. I, I am a little bit surprised cause I'm, you know, I, I want a dynamic tight end, like a super dynamic. I want our Kelsey or Kittle or a guy of that ilk, um, on this team and Ertz, you know, somebody that can really be another dynamic pass catcher from the tight end position. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they don't see that as a need. Maybe they're happy with, you know, kind of the, the guys that they have and, and guys of that ilk and don't think they need a superstar tight end. I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting point, right? Because I think ultimately what you're trying to do is get as much depth as you can, like late in the draft. And, you know, you might have to settle for practice players as opposed to them being Hall of Famers. Uh, sorry to break that to you, Shells. But, um, you know, even then, that's that's some good viability to have. I guess more so than the specifics on those players, it's just – Again, really nice to see the way Poles leverages his position and that we had a lot of picks because from all I'm hearing, there was a lot of great value at the end of the draft. Uh, there was some surprise about guys who had fallen to where they had fallen. Um, and I think more so holistically, you guys touched upon it, Poles sent a message about center and he sent a message about edge rusher. And I'm not sure what that message is yet. You might be right you know, Patrick, that it's just mm -hmm. about what matched in terms of like best player available and areas of need. It might be that they go sign an edge rusher. It might be that they just have a competition between those three centers and made the best center win. Um, but that, that to me is probably the biggest and you can't answer them. Can't answer all the questions, but those are the questions that are left in my mind's eye is what's going to happen at center and what's going to happen at edge. I think Poles actually addressed it. He said, essentially, we're comfortable with Cody. We have Lucas still and Kramer is coming back. I will say I'm a little higher on Lucas still because of the mm -hmm. fact we actually didn't get to see what he was able to do. He was yeah. he was OK at guard, yeah. but he played like you know what 12 snaps at center and then he got hurt. And the Patriots game actually was a good game for the offense, too. So maybe we are mm -hmm. kind of overreacting a little bit. I do think the Cody, the Cody Whitehair thing worries me a little bit because I think people are having a little revisionist history or maybe just remembering 2018 when the offensive line was, was good. Cause I think, yeah, Cody was, I think the center then, but when he moved over in 2019, things started to unravel and he, he was replaced by Mustafer. Mustafer replaced Cody Whitehair at center. I think we need to remember that. So we'll see how that goes in terms of the other three guys. I mean, yeah, you're going for who's, best on your board i do think it was really cool that travis bell is the first kenesaw state player ever drafted it sounds cooler on the surface but then you remember that their program was started in 2015 so it's like one of those hey you know maybe not as old but it's still a cool cool moment that the bears are a part of um i'll echo what jacob said about terrell smith interesting that he was in and out of the lineup but he had a really really good showing at the east west shrine game he I guess scored out like one of the best out of the defenders in terms of uh, speed as well as just overall PFF grades. So that's good. And then I don't know a lick about Kendall Williamson. So I trying to find stuff on him was, was like finding treasure. So 
Um, we're, we're going long, but I know that this is, this was one of the biggest weekends of the year. So I think it's okay. We still got, you know, viewers listening, which is awesome. Um, anything else from the draft itself, like maybe other teams, just how things maybe panned out that you guys maybe took notice of, uh, we'll go same order with shells, Jack, and then me. Uh, yeah. And it's a bit of a sour note, but, um, only one player drafted from an HBCU uh, Jackson State defensive back Isaiah Bolden. Um, you know we've seen players from those schools make an impact in the NFL. Uh, unfortunately, they it, it seems like they've got a little bit of a, a tougher, more indirect road to get into the league. But once they do, um, they've been impressive. So unfortunate. You know I don't know if it's the resources, the scouting resources aren't de- being deployed there or what the deal is. But there's some disconnect between you know, how they perform in the league and, and the thought of them uh, in the draft. I know Deion Sanders came out and, and was critical of that um, as well. So uh, hopefully that gets remedy because those guys, when they get to the league, they show that they can play. Uh, but maybe it, it's just a matter of directing enough scouting resources, um, you know, in that area to, to do your due diligence ahead of time. That's an excellent point. Shells. I'm glad that you brought that up. I, I, I'd be curious who do you think got better in the North? Who do you think improved the most in the North based on based on this weekend's draft? I mean, Detroit. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, they were kind of bipolar. I, mean, I don't know what they were doing on day one. It was super confusing. Uh, I think they then they bounced back and had pretty good day, days two and three. But I just. Man, it just felt like yeah. Detroit's got a Detroit. Like they had, yeah. they had it by the onions, you know. Yep. I mean, set up perfectly. Um, so yeah, I, I'm curious what you think. Who got better in the North? Can I just say I don't get the DeAndre Swift's hate from that team. I don't understand what the issue is. I think he's a very talented back. I know he has trouble staying healthy, so that might be part of it. But they, we knew he was going to trade it. And it was fun, you know, to be able to say, oh, he's getting traded. And then two days later, he actually did get traded. I think it might might have been that fast. But, yeah, going Gibbs over some of the guys still available still boggles the mind. And then to get get rid of Swift, and I think, what, they got a fourth and they swapped sevenths. I mean, that's okay. But, yeah, I I wasn't enamored with with what the Lions did overall. I think um, I could be wrong, but when they picked Broderick Martin – I think he's the D uh, a DT. It was one of the worst graded picks like ever. His RAS was just God awful. <laughs> he was like way down. At, and this was on uh, at the third round too, which was hilarious to see. But um, I think the bears probably, I, this is me, maybe me being a Homer. I think they had the best draft. I think the Packers had a pretty good draft too. It's interesting that they, once the quarterback leaves, they say, okay, now we got to get the young guy weapons. We're going to get a wide receiver, a couple tight ends. So it's in- interesting to see. It looks like they'll play it safe, right? They're going to probably – at least that's what the experts are saying is that they just they need to get him a couple of weapons, get him you know, a tight end so that they, he can have you know, real measured and designed play-action passes. And, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. You know, the, the Packers, again, you know, the, the Packers are the best in the division until they're not but I do think they've taken some, you know, some pretty big hits in this off season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the best non bears pick I think was Jordan Addison. That's the one that scares me the most. Cause I think he's really good. So if the Vikings can get a quarterback, uh, look out. Um, 
And I'm also happy for the Packers that they got a, a quarterback finally. So QB one, Sean Clifford, welcome to the club. Good for them. They needed Sean one. Clifford. Yeah. Out of all I, the guys you could have picked, oh, Sean man. Clifford. I don't. I don't understand the Packers draft. I. I, I, I agree with you, Brian. I think it's not even close. On paper, I think the Bears won handily this draft. Yeah. I, the Packers did some things good. I'm not going to discount that. Like, Lucas Van Ness is a fine pick. Granted, they need they had more needs. I If I'm a Packers fan, I appreciate they're actually taking stabs to improve the skill positions. Mm-hmm. But some of those picks, yeah. just I, I understand picking a backup quarterback, just not Sean Clifford. So that's fun to see. <laughs> Um, all right. I know we're, we're, we're usually over time here, but Jack, I want to give you the option. If you want to give your question, since we haven't done it lately, the floor is yours. I'm fine for a few minutes. I have what I think is a funny one. If you know, the listeners will grant us a little bit more time. Um, so yeah, I think I'll ask it. Uh, and if you need time to think about it, I've, you know, it's easier for me because I'm thinking of the question. I've already got a all right. Example, but is there a, an instance in which you were playing sports in which something or you witnessed someone else while playing sports? Just the, it was uh, one of those ridiculously hilarious or tragic moments that, you know, you just it just sticks out in your mind uh, to this very day. If you've got one, I'll, I'll give you the honors. If not, I can tell mine and you can think what's your preference i've got mine already yeah i think i've got one okay then let's go brendan patrick and i'll go last okay uh this is this is like my best friend too so i don't feel bad telling this story we've told told it a lot uh so as you guys know i played flag flag football for a number of years as an adult uh just some of the best years of my life i don't i'm semi-retired right now i don't want to say retired but anyway uh when we were starting out a few years ago uh, we, so this just real quickly, when the ball hits the ground, it's done. There's no fumbles. So play is dead, whatever Uh, we had a play and the quarterback threw the ball, like right over the defender's head hits my buddy in stride. And he's one of the fastest guys. We call him the flying squirrel and he is gone. Nobody's catching him. This would, this would be like an 80 yard touchdown essentially. And he's gone. He starts high stepping and the ball hits his knee and hits the ground at the opposing 15-yard line. And the ref literally looks at us, and he's, like, scratching out. He wrote the touchdown on the card as he was running. He's like, I'm never like... <laughs> and, so oh, I, uh, and in the moment, I get very competitive. I was in his face ready to kill him. I'm just like, what are you effing doing? Later. Why are you effing yeah. showboating? And he's like getting in my face. And the quarterback's laughing his ass off because at that point it's just funny. Um, and this is like semi-competitive. Like we're keeping points. There's actual refs. And long story short, we so we get first and 10 or first and goal because the yard lines, it's first and 20 essentially. We don't score. <laughs> so we we had a touchdown taken off the board because he started high-stepping. It's basically like when Daniel Jones was – do you remember that play a couple of years ago? He was gone on Thursday night. Oh, football. the sniper got him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he just falls yeah. to the ground. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> that's embarrassing. Um, that's so fun to tell later over beer, beers. Yeah, yeah. What do you got, Patrick? 
Yeah. So funny. I, I just told this story to my oldest son. Uh, we had a conversation about respecting all your opponents and not um, taking any opponent for granted because uh, when I was playing American Legion ball, we had uh, a game against this team. We went out, you know, you take infield before a game and we went out and we took our infield and went pretty well and we were feeling good about ourselves. And this team came out, everybody took the field, coach went out, we're looking, there's no bucket of balls, there's no um, baseball to be had, right? We're like, what the hell's going on? Coach takes his fungo, throws nothing up in the air, hits nothing to the third baseman who fields nothing and throws nothing over to first, right? They took their entire infield and outfield pregame with no baseball. And we were over there like laughing hysterically to the point like the catcher who's standing next to the coach catching a fake baseball, tossing it like they, they bought in and were like doing the whole bit. And wow. uh, we're over there in the dugout just like cracking up. Um, and I don't know if their 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 whole thing was to try to like disarm us and get us to let our guard down. If that's what it was, it worked because uh, they went out and kicked our ass. that game. <laughs> we got be Yeah, we got be pretty bad. Um, so, you know, I, I told my son, like, never, you know, don't yeah. go look at your opponent and be like, they look small or they don't, you know, look like they're ball players. You just, you put your, your foot to the gas to, or put the gas pedal to the floor, uh, until that game's over because, uh, you never know. Right. But it was a little bit embarrassing for us. That that's a stick from a movie. Yeah, it was right? like, I still, I've never seen a team do it before or since, uh, I still don't understand what the point of it was, like what they were trying to get out of it. If it was just visual reps, um, it's just odd. Like I, I still think it was kind of weird, but it worked for them. Uh, you know that coach and those players are still telling that story too. Probably, you know? yeah. <laughs> remember that time when we? Uh, I'll stick with baseball. Uh, I was playing pony league baseball, and I was pitching and. Uh, either walked the first hitter or, you know, or he, he, he got a hit. I don't remember which, but he's standing on first. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pitching out of the stretch and I, I, you know, I take a look over, you know, just take a, take a peek over at, at first. And I noticed that, you know, the guy at first is taking like a, a pretty generous lead. And now keep in mind, like it's pony league. We hadn't worked on any signals, any types of pickoff moves, nothing right so i take my i take my peek you know and then i look back at the catcher and i take another peek and the guy is still like leading off you know again we had it dead to rights you know so i turn and i just chug i just fire a laser at first base and the first baseman adam freelink is standing over about two feet off of first base and he's looking in at home plate, like completely unprepared, completely exposed, almost slouching oh. over. <laughs> and the ball, of course, hits him right in the twig and berries. Like, oh. <laughs> as, fast as, I, as fast and as hard as I could possibly chuck that ball to get it out at first. <laughs> and I can still see in slow motion. That ball going right at his seeds and him just like <laughs> you know, taking oh, it and like going going down on the ground and everybody like coming out and like, oh Adam, are you okay? And I was like, You, Brendan, I was like stupidly fiery and competitive. And I'm just like, 
what the f adam <laughs> what are you doing you know we as he's writhing you know, in pain <laughs> writhing in pain like you know grabbing his 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 bait, bait and tackle and uh i just have this like free flashball image of right before that ball smoked him in the junk <laughs> oh man that's i'm so for, i'm so glad you ended with that so thank you for not going first and please bring that back up again because I've got like three more and I think okay, we can well, make this like a recurring. Those are so fun. Right? What yeah. things have you seen? Cause that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Uh, let's do shout outs and wrap it up. So shout outs will go same order. Sheldon, Jack, I'll finish it up. First shout out goes to uh, Dan Bernstein and as a bit of an apology. I, I think you guys know where I'm going with this. Cause I texted you all. Um, I was like super down on Dan and and didn't really like his stuff for a while. I, I thought he was too negative and uh, I loved Lawrence Holmes. And when they got joined together a while back, uh, it forced me uh, to listen to, to Dan more. And I'll be honest, like the more I've listened to him, I've come around a lot. I don't think I've done a 180 more on um, on a, uh, a sports talk commentator than, than Dan. But um, I'm finding like, I, I really appreciate his takes now and, and sometimes they can be a little bit negative, but, uh, I think maybe I gave him a, an unfair shake there. So, uh, shout out to Dan you, you're doing great stuff. And I, I really come to enjoy your work. So, um, and then the, the last shout out, uh, fortunately a little bit of a, a, a really sad note, uh, actually, um, just to Shaq Barrett, his family, uh, who, who tragically lost his two-year-old daughter today. Um, she, uh, drowned in their, their swimming pool. And as a parent, like it just, uh, when you read stories like that, they just really, really, um, really get you, you know, they, they really hit you hard. And, and this one did today. And I can't imagine the overwhelming grief that he's feeling right now. Uh, and his family are feeling, it's just, it's gotta be unimaginable. Um, and I just, you know, there's really nothing you can say, but, um, you just hope that, that, he finds comfort at some point uh, for this tragedy. And, and I uh, just, you know, wanted to say that I'm, I'm thinking of him for as little as that probably means in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's a really unfortunate event and, uh, and I hope he finds some comfort soon. Deepest condolences from all of us at the BDCP for that. That's um, yeah. All the love to them. Um, shout outs for me go to, the guys at the Irish Bears show for having me on yesterday during the draft. And uh, we, I was on for an hour. I know Brendan, you were on too. So thanks to Kieran. Thanks to Noel. They are excellent at what they do. And they're always very gracious uh, in terms of giving them, giving us uh, time. I'm going to go a little different route. Like you were giving some props to Bernstein, which I'm still a little confused by, <laughs> but uh <laughs> <laughs> because he's an asshole most of the time uh, and because I called once and he was a complete D-bag to me. But uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a curveball here and do a, a little tiny outhouse, even though it's not in this in season. But I just got to say, I listen to a lot of Sirius XM and we, we do so much radio sports talk of the three of us and, and, and Logan and, and Ryan too. We listen a lot. The guys who spend time a lot of time 
ranting and talking about the ways that they were right about things, reaffirming <laughs> themselves. That is like one of my least favorite things. I want to listen to learn and hear new takes and find out things I don't know. I don't need to have you spend an hour telling me about all the ways you were right on the takes that you took. And then the second thing is that, again, it's so clear to me that the national media isn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. um, Jeff Manns on Elite Sports was just absolutely lambasting the McCaskies for not taking Jalen Carter, saying that they're an old fashioned organization, that they, you know, why are they listening to Virginia McCaskey for their decision making? And I was like, you're not, you're not watching, you're not paying attention. And that's disappointing. Now I get, they have a national scene to cover. Okay. Fair enough. But then don't have hard takes about the bears because clearly you're not watching close enough. So I guess that's like kind of an opposite of a shout out to put him in the outhouse. I just needed to get it off my chest. I needed to get off my chest. Listen, you. out of town stupid is a thing. Like yeah. it's a thing for oh, a reason. Yeah. It so is. For sure. I, I've always said just quickly, other people will tell you you're right or whatever. Like people can see within your work if things are, you know, you're hitting yes. on things or not hitting on things. You don't need to, you don't need to go on the, on your, soapbox and just say i was right about this 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 it just it does get tiring so i totally understand yeah. that um i'll also shout out irish bear show uh for having me on always appreciate those guys doing great work um shout out to the just entire bears wire team fantastic stuff we had almost 100 posts between thursday and saturday night um millions of views honestly uh just seeing the numbers is really cool so shout out to um, of course, Alyssa and then uh, Nate, Jarrett and Ryan for all their hard work. And I'll just give a blanket shout out to all the content creators for the draft. It's it's a lot. People are doing so much hard work, whether it's it's I don't even want to get specific names because I don't want to leave people out. But mm -hmm. anybody who's doing just whether it's shows, podcasts, radio, TV, articles, you name it, like research, it is so much work. It's become this and just... I don't even know what to like compare it to. It's just become this machine. And so I just want to shout out everyone who's doing that. It is a lot of hard work. I know it, you guys know it. And um, you know, there's so many people doing great work out there. So um, I appreciate you. And I know we appreciate you as well. So guys, this was a long show, but like I said before, it was a needed show to go over everything with draft coverage. This was a fun time and I hope you enjoyed listening to it or watching it, interacting with us please make sure you follow us on all of our social channels. We're going to try to put out like more videos and content there. Um, and then please, if you can rate, subscribe, do all those things, rate the podcast, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on the podcast platforms. They really do help us grow. And that's what we're hoping to do this year. Uh, we want to do more. And yeah, we just, I know Ryan says it all the time, but I'll say it. We appreciate you and we appreciate all of our listeners. So for Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Logan Bradley, and then Ryan Dangle, who could not be here. I am Brendan Chagru. Guys, have a great week and bear down Chicago.